Hi guys, this is Jake Parker. Welcome back to another episode of the Beyond Fit podcast, where it's my job to help you apply knowledge that is both scientific and practical into your own life to maximize your physique development and your overall body, as well as your mind. The combination of these two things is what makes you Beyond Fit. Hi guys, welcome back to the Beyond Fit podcast. I'm your host, Jake Parker. So obviously this week we have Thanksgiving and in the coming month we have Christmas and New Year's and all the holiday eating and partying that comes with that. So I wanted to take an episode to talk a little bit about how food is more than just calories in versus calories out. And specifically, the title of this podcast is Five Ways Food is More Than Calories In Versus Calories Out. And then in parentheses here, Holiday Eating Guide. So I think that it's important to first note that the thing I'm going to talk about last is the hedonic aspect of food. That's the enjoyment and the Uh, gathering around food and the just eating food for pleasure and eating it because of a gathering and incorporating foods that aren't necessarily geared towards fitness and performance and nutrition and health into your lifestyle. That's going to be the point that I hit last year because I'm going to talk a lot more about that than these other points, but the other points also kind of tie in as well. So the first way that food is more than calories in versus calories out is that it fuels workout performance. So most of you are familiar with macros and if it fits your macros. And specifically, I did talk about this on a recent episode. So if you want to go check that out, I'll link it here in the show notes. But yeah, if it fits your macros has a lot of credence and it's something that I followed more strictly in the past and still uh, carry a lot of those principles and the ideas from if it's your macros. And first of all, the thing I did want to make sure I stated right off the bat here is you hear so many different things. Uh, you know, is food just calories in versus calories out? Is food, you know, do you have to pay more attention to clean and dirty foods? Do you have to be on a certain diet? Do certain foods promote fat loss or fat gain or muscle gain? And the thing I always like to say is, yes, at the end of the day, 100% uh, weight gain, uh, whether up or down, whether you're trying to gain muscle or lose fat, does come down to calories in versus calories out. It's about the calorie balance or the energy balance. So your body burns a certain amount of calories through your basal metabolic rate. Um, We'll say the example, like for me, a large man, about 180 pounds, I have close to a 2,000 calories a day basal metabolic rate. And then the rest of what your body burns is either through uh, activity is well, it's all through activity thermogenesis, but there's non activity thermogenesis, and then there's exercise activity thermogenesis. So basically just stating say, stating the calories burned through doing exercise, and the calories burned through just going about your day to day life, you're going to burn a few calories doing the dishes, cleaning up around the house, walking back and forth from store, work, your car, whatever, just normal daily activities are going to take a few calories. I mean, it takes a couple of calories to get dressed and tie your shoes and stuff like that. It's obviously very minuscule, but over the course of a day, 
that can add up to a little bit of your calorie burn. Um, and so if you do, again, want to have a specific goal to gain weight, specifically muscle, or lose weight, specifically fat, of course, there's things that go into that, like your workout, but we're not necessarily going to talk about that today. Um, besides having a high protein diet, which promotes satiety and fullness, as well as muscle gain and retention, it's really going to come down to calories. And so I just want to state that first and foremost, even though there's a hundred different ways to get there, and there's tons of other factors that go into that equation, that is what it comes down to at the end of the day. So I always like to um, point at different diets that people have had success with, like the keto diet or the intermittent fasting diet. People go, oh, you know, I know so-and-so lost weight doing intermittent fasting or so-and-so lost weight doing the keto diet. And yeah, what that always comes down to is some sort of a limitation um, put on them by this diet. So with the keto diet, it's the limitation of not having carbs. With the intermittent fasting diet, it's the limitation of not being able to eat at certain times during the day. That immediately creates a sort of a calorie deficit. So eating less calories than you burn, which leads to weight loss. There's nothing special about any sort of diet in terms of manipulating any other variable, variable besides calories in versus calories out. Now, of course, this can be extremely valuable, but this is all it is at the end of the day. So back to the first point of workout performance. Um, if you're looking at if it fits your macros, one of the most classic examples here is, you know, people might say, oh, yeah, you know, if it fits your macros, you can swap in um, two Pop-Tarts for a cup of rice or something like that. And while that's true, always trying to lean towards and include whole nutritious foods in your diet is going to make you feel better and therefore perform better. It's going to digest better. Um, it's just, you, you know, when you introduce too many of these highly processed sugar laden foods, again, you're not manipulating that variable of calories in versus calories out. But what you are doing is you're introducing foods that are harder for your body to digest and harder to make good use of. And I think just anecdotally more than anything, you're not going to feel as well when you're performing. And on top of that, we want to just perform well in our day-to-day -day lives. We want to be sharp. We want to be focused. We want to be cognitively clear. And a lot of times, um, these less than nutritious foods, these highly processed foods, foods that don't fit into the category of whole, natural, like I'm always saying, uh, single ingredient or few ingredient foods, those sort of foods are not going to help us perform at our best. Of course, you can fit them in when you feel it's necessary or when you feel like you really desire to have some certain uh, treat food or whatever it is. But I don't like the idea, and this is something I've changed my mind on, like I've also talked about, but I don't like the idea of just including um, non-nutritious foods on a daily basis just because it fits your macros. Something I'm always asking myself is, is it worth it? When I ask myself, is it worth it? It comes down to, so there's this food that I like. For me, again, we'll go off a personal example. I really like sweets. I really like cookies, cake, ice cream, brownies. Uh, whatever it is. And probably my other biggest treat or vice, I suppose, is just beer, usually. Some sort of booze, usually beer. And so when it comes down to it, I could include a few hundred calories or more of this stuff into my diet every day. And because I know the amount of calories I burn and about how many I need to eat, I could include these foods every day and 
fit it, fit them into this calories in versus calories out equation. And it would not have any direct impact on my body composition. But the reason that I don't, and the reason that I ask myself, is it worth it is again, because of the reasons I'm going to state here of why food is more than calories in versus calories out. And I just think that it promotes an unhealthy view of and relationship with food. Um, but when I ask myself, is it worth it? It's usually, again, like the point I'm going to touch on with Thanksgiving, with holidays. Am I around friends and family? Am I enjoying the situation in that way? Am I, uh, another, another big thing that I do in my own life is I don't keep most of these foods um, in my house, in my apartment, so that they're easily accessible. When I do want to have a treat food, like a dessert, I make it a point to go out somewhere and get it, to go to an ice cream parlor or whatever because that makes the experience more enriching and enjoyable for me. Whereas I don't get near as much enrichment as an, an enjoyment if I'm just, you know, at home eating ice cream on my couch or whatever. And plus, I don't think it tastes near as good. But I guess that's ne not necessarily here nor there. Um, always ask yourself, is it worth it in this certain situation? Definitely, it's worth it to me to have a couple slices of pizza when I'm hanging out with friends, maybe watching a football game or whatever. It's not worth it for me to order a pizza to my apartment and eat a couple pieces when I'm alone, not really doing anything social. That's just the way I look at it. I think it's really helpful. It's worked really well for me. So remembering to think about that and remembering to think about how is the food I'm eating going to help me perform, going to help me feel good, going to help me be sharp mentally and going to help me uh, perform the best again that I can in the gym. Not necessarily is this food going to fit my macros because that's not the most important thing for us always. Another important note is a lot of these highly processed foods, uh, we don't necessarily know the long-term effect of foods that are not really natural, not whole nutritious foods, the kind of stuff that we're going for most of the time. And so potentially down the road, if you were to include a big enough proportion of your diet uh, being these foods, like an inordinate amount of your diet being these foods, I would not be surprised if there were some health consequences down the road that we've not um, had enough time to kind of flesh out. As you think about processed foods, they're relatively new in the American diet, in the world's diet as a whole. And so that's another one of those fringe things, and that's more of like an esoteric thing that's not necessarily proven yet. But I like to think about in the context of my own life too, how I don't know necessarily what these heavily processed foods are doing to me. Whereas when I eat these whole natural foods that people have been eating for hundreds of years or more, I feel more confident about, you know, obviously there's nothing dangerous about eating chicken and rice and broccoli and stuff like that, the traditional foods. Not that that's always what I'm eating, but just for example. And so I think that's another reason. And again, if you're having like an overall healthy balanced diet, I'm always saying 80-20. 80% whole nutritious foods and 20% kind of whatever else you want. I think that's more than sufficient to be healthy. And I don't think you need to limit processed foods any more than that. But just kind of keep that in mind as another reason to not necessarily fully fall into the, oh, well, it fits my macros, so it must be okay sort of mentality. The second way here that I wrote down that food is more than calories in versus calories out is satiety signals. Satiety is the feeling of fullness that food gives us. And so it's important to note here that highly processed foods, one of the, if not the biggest reason that they are a cause for uh, driving overweight, 
and obesity is that they're so easy to eat. Number one, they're highly palatable, so they just taste really good. If you think about how good a highly processed bag of chips tastes and how good a highly processed um, cookie tastes or bowl of ice cream tastes, it makes it so much easier to overeat that stuff because it's just so pleasurable to eat. It really hijacks our evolutionary uh, wiring to just want to eat more and more and more of it. And this is something I've talked about before, but we have these primal roots. We have these primal desires that drive us to want to eat as many calories as we can because we come from these hunter-gatherer ancestors and we still carry a lot of their impulses. And so we want to fill up on food because ancestrally that was very advantageous when we didn't necessarily know where our next meal was coming from. But now that we live in this um, hyper food rich environment, we always can have more food and we can always have basically whatever kind of food we want. You know, it's a cell phone click or um, an opening of the fridge away. And so we have to be careful not to just fall into what our brain wants, what our body is desiring and think about what's going to help me reach my goals, what's going to fuel me, what's appropriate for my caloric needs and stuff like that. And the other thing that goes in line with just the um, fact that these highly processed foods are so easy to eat is that they also get digested so quickly and they don't, again, promote that satiety or fullness. If you think about how easy it is to eat a whole bag of chips or eat a whole tub of ice cream and not really feel that much more full, that proves it right there. Whereas if you think about eating some meat and some sort of a carb like rice or potatoes and vegetables, that's going to make you feel really full and that's going to make you feel full for a long period of time and feel satiated. So it's important to think about how these foods are going to make you feel as far as just fullness and getting enough um, satiety from foods. I have talked about the fact that I like to eat three pretty square meals a day, a breakfast with some eggs and some oatmeal. And I usually put whey protein in my oatmeal and then a lunch and a dinner that includes some meat, some carb, maybe some veggies and maybe some fats, depending on how that's all going to work into my daily plan. But when you eat these big meals that have a balance of macronutrients, that have micronutrients accounted for, that have things accounted for like high protein and fiber that's going to help keep you full and that isn't just going to digest immediately, that's going to help keep you satiated, which again ties back to that workout performance, that cognitive performance. It's going to help you in all respects and it's going to keep you from uh, the overeating that troubles so many people and that um, is a detriment to so many goals. Hey guys, just wanted to mention real quick, if you're listening right now, you qualify as a podcast listener for a discount on my coaching services. My coaching services are for people looking to sustainably build the fittest and healthiest body they can. I offer custom workout plans as well as specialized nutrition advice and keep you accountable with weekly check-ins and actionable challenges. There's a money-back guarantee if you're unhappy at any time and there's no commitments. So please check it out. The link is in the show notes. The third thing here, the third way that food is more than calories in versus calories out is that food can promote gut health and proper digestion. So probably the best and most visceral, visceral, excuse me, evidence here is just having proper bowel movements, having proper poops. Um, if you are having regular and consistent poops, that's probably a sign that you are digesting healthily 
Whereas if they're more sporadic and not solid um, for lack of getting too graphic, then you may have some sort of problem with digestion. This is another reason where fiber becomes important. Besides just keeping you full, it helps with this aspect. And uh, something I did wanna mention here is that a good rule of thumb for getting enough fiber, fiber is not something I've ever tracked because I've been so consistent with eating whole grains, eating fruits, eating vegetables, that it's never seemed to be a problem. But if I ever were to track it or if I were to ever give advice, I would say that you need about 10 grams or more of fiber per 1,000 calories. So if you're on a 2,500 calorie a day diet, then you would need at least 25-ish grams of fiber. Um, people have maybe heard before that the gut gets called the other brain and or the second brain, and that's because the stuff you eat and the way your gut digests it and the way your gut deals with it has so much to do with mood and feeling. And it really goes back to, uh, again, that like primal, that ancestral, if you are eating something and it's healthy and nutritious and going to help fuel you, it's going to give you good feelings. It's going to help you feel good. But if it's something that makes your stomach feel upset and is going to make you feel irregular and stuff like that, it's going to make you feel shitty. It's going to make you feel cloudy. So oftentimes, uh, poor gut health is a sign or is, I guess, manifested in having problems with mood or brain fog is a common one and stuff like that. Another thing to think about here is if the food you're eating isn't getting digested well, it can often manifest in skin conditions. So if you have had a lot of acne or anything like eczema, stuff like that, then not eating the right qualities and types of foods may have something to do with that. Um, the biggest thing for digestion, I often just think of uh, roughage you know, is maybe like the way your, your mom referred to it when you were growing up, making sure you're getting some fruits and vegetables in your diet. Like I said, if you're getting enough of that stuff, it's probably going to provide you with the fiber that you need. Um, and so I think that pretty directly leads into the next point, which is micronutrients. And micronutrients are synonymous with just the vitamins and minerals that your body needs. And an interesting thing that I like to say about micronutrients um, when compared or talked about with macronutrients is they're not called micronutrients because they're less important. They're still as important to the body. They're just needed in far, far, far smaller doses. So when you're talking about vitamins, vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin E, um, you're usually talking about these things in micrograms or milligrams as opposed to when you talk about macronutrients like i've discussed if you talk about protein fats and carbs you talk about those in terms of grams so it's not that they're needed less by the body in terms of importance they're just needed um, a lot less quantity by the body so it's always again kind of going back to like the digestion if you are getting enough fruits and vegetables and trying to eat at least somewhat a variety of a variety of food, you're probably fine in the way of micronutrients. But a couple that specifically I like to supplement for um, because of research that I've done is magnesium and vitamin D. So I can kind of go more into that if you want to reach out to me uh, with a question about it, either on email or Instagram. 
but just know that those are the two that I supplement with. And I have a really good variety of food in my diet, but I feel like it's still appropriate to supplement with those two things. Um, as far as the fruits and veggies, a good rule of thumb is to every time you're at the store, get one new fruit or vegetable that you haven't had in a while. So this just keeps it easy, a good rule of thumb to make sure you're getting that variety of nutrients. But most of the time, like I've talked about before, my, my diet is very similar. It's meat, it's carbs like potatoes and rice, it's oatmeal and eggs in the morning, uh, and then sparsing out like two to six servings of fruits and vegetables. So usually that's going to take the form of leafy greens like Brussels sprouts, spinach, broccoli, and then my fruits are usually bananas, sometimes apples, grapes, berries. But then every once in a while, I do follow that rule of thumb and get something totally new, totally kind of off the wall to make sure I have all those micronutrient holes plugged, so to speak. Um, but yeah, not something you'd worry too much about if you are thinking about manipulating the specific micronutrients. Again, just making sure you're getting enough variety and making sure that you're not missing the forest for the trees where you're thinking about, oh, I need to get you know this variety of micronutrients, thinking about how to do that, but not thinking about how to just consistently get two to six servings of fruits and vegetables in a day. Um, again, that's the forest for the trees kind of part of that argument. As far as micronutrients, there is certain foods that I try to eat on a regular basis that are just extremely micronutrient dense. Um, I found, again, through my own research and digging around, and those are, like I mentioned, leafy greens. Usually I think of these as spinach, Brussels sprouts, broccoli. These are almost always the vegetables that I eat. The other vegetable is going to be mushrooms because they have a lot of antioxidants and they have a really high level of vitamin D, which I do like to try to get some of that vitamin D naturally where I can. It's just hard. That's why I supplement with it. Other ones here, berries, salmon, eggs, and nuts are also all very rich in micronutrients. So if you need a few specific examples of foods that would be helpful to include, those would be it. But micronutrients are the fourth way that food is more than calories in versus calories out. And the last one here, like I touched on at the beginning, is that enjoyment aspect of food. The fifth way food is more than calories in versus calories out is that it's enjoyment, it's lifestyle, it's bonding, it's time with family. I like the example best here of the hedonic value of food. So hedonic essentially just means pleasure. How much pleasure are you getting from something? Sometimes food is just all about pleasure. Maybe you're out on a date with your significant other or out to eat with friends and you want to get a pizza and wings and beer or whatever it is. Or, you know, for the obvious example of this week, it's Thanksgiving. You want to eat a bunch of turkey and mashed potatoes and pie and whatever else it is. And you shouldn't look at this or these type of circumstances as, oh, you know, I'm going over my calories. I'm not eating the type of foods I should. No, because at this point, the enjoyment and the circumstance and situation trumps the health aspects. And it's not often that we do this. It shouldn't be often that we do this. But if you think about um, how many holidays there are in a year, I did the math and over 96% of the days in your year are not going to be holidays. So if you go ahead and just let loose on the holidays and kind of eat whatever you want and go off of whatever plan you have. There's nothing to be worried about there because if you are doing what you should on the other 
96% of days of the year that are not holidays, you're going to be more than well suited to deal with these hiccups. Or I don't even think that I would like to refer to it as hiccups because that would imply that it's a mistake. Um, I think that you just have to realize that sometimes food is about more than the calories and performance and muscle gain, fat loss aspect and focus of it. Um, so again, I mentioned the 80-20 principle in this podcast where you try to average about 80% of the foods you eat are whole nutritious foods and 20% are kind of whatever else you want, heavily processed, maybe it's booze, maybe it's desserts, maybe it's, you know, whatever. I've given lots of examples of that. Um, I like to think about my life as being 80-20 as well. So if you are, you know, 96% of days being on with your nutrition is a lot to shoot for. But think about the course of a year and trying to hit that 80-20 in the course of your year. If you're doing well with your macros and calories and stuff, 80% of the time, you are going to be in the 99th percentile of healthy people. Because, you know, most people have this perfectionist mindset where, oh, you know, I'm going to be on a diet for a little while. I'm going to meal prep. I'm going to do really well with, you know, with food and nutrition. And then they fall off. But what you should try to shoot for is sustainability. And that sustainability is found through giving yourself some leeway and giving yourself some space for the foods you like, um, the inevitable slip-ups, and the days that you just value the pleasure and enjoyment of food and the circumstance and the people you're around eating the food with more than the nutritional value and the caloric value of the food. Again, that is it worth it mentality. Another really useful anecdote here is the C student example. So growing up, most of us, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a high performer. You're someone who's probably done well in school and stuff like that throughout your life, I would guess. And so most of us thinking about being a C student, earning a C in a class is probably not satisfactory. You want to get closer to a B or an A. But in health and in fitness, being a C student is, like I said, going to put you in that 99th percentile of healthy people. If 75% of the time, not even 80%, you know, 80% is an average. It's, it's, a, it's a, something to shoot for. If you hit 75, if you hit 71, 72, 73, you know, something in there, you're going to be extremely healthy and you're going to have outcomes and goals that, you know, basically whatever you want to shoot for, you're going to be able to attain. If you can make sure to hit that consistent adherence, and make sure that you have a plan and a lifestyle that's sustainable. So this is a lifestyle. This is a balance. That's what everything I talk about is about. So what kind of a lifestyle and balance do you have if you're the type of person who says, oh, no, I can't eat that at a family gathering, or you're going to Thanksgiving and worried about the macros and calories of your food instead of just enjoying time and conversation with your family and the hedonic enjoyment of that food. To me, that's what living a healthy lifestyle is all about, is knowing where and when to have that trade-off. Um, one last thing I wanted to mention here is that something I found really interesting over the last year or so, I suppose, is that since going from strictly tracking macros, kind of like I mentioned at the beginning, where these non-nutritious foods would be included on a more daily basis, every day I might give myself a few hundred calories for dessert or whatever. Versus now, I much more strictly, I'd say on average five days a week, just fill in my macros with whole nutrient-dense foods as much as is possible and not just having those treat foods just for the sake of them, just because I can. Um, I found that following this more consistent meal plan sort of diet in combination with macro tracking 
has led me to have a lot more well-balanced physique than, um, than just strictly doing the macro tracking and if it fits your macros, pulling and placing different foods. Probably that's due to the fact that macro tracking can kind of get inconsistent when you are macro tracking processed foods. Something to keep in mind is that food companies are able to have a 20% uh, variance rate from the calories that are listed on their foods. So it may not be 100% accurate. And then the other thing that's interesting is like if you're eating out a lot, nothing wrong with that, but you have to keep in mind that the caloric content and the nutrition facts of a certain food, say at Chipotle, they say this bowl has 800 calories, this, this, and this, carbs, fats, and proteins, but they can't necessarily account for how big of a scoop the person working is going to give you of rice, of meat, of guacamole, of whatever else. These are just averages. And so they may be anywhere from like 200 to five, 600 calories off in some circumstances. So when you're cooking these whole natural foods at home, knowing exactly what's going into your meals, you're going to be a lot more consistent with your macros. And then just anecdotally, I found that these and this was the point I wanted to eventually get to was that when I have these off days, when I go and, you know, maybe it's a football tailgate and I'm eating a bunch of food, or maybe it's again, Thanksgiving and I eat just a bunch of pie and mashed potatoes and these fatty um, carb laden foods and go way over my macros. I feel like I bounce back and see hardly any real detriment, even if it's for not even one day, but two or three days because I've done a year or two of following this consistent, more or less meal plan. If I eat these certain foods, I hit these macros. Again, I balance three meals a day, carbs, fats, and proteins, um, stuff like that. So I think that you'll find trying to stick to more of a routine and finding that happy balance for you between thinking about and considering macros and tracking that kind of stuff versus just having a consistent meal plan of foods that work for you, make you feel good, make you perform good beyond just having the right balance of calories is going to lead to the type of lifestyle where you can bounce back really easily from having a day that's off your routine because it's just something that's intuitive as well as something that's just baked in. So just remember that sometimes we just have to enjoy our food and sometimes there's a lot of value beyond the caloric value and the macros of your food. It's about family, lifestyle, balance, enjoyment. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. If you would, please take a minute out of your day to review and rate the podcast as well as subscribe. It would really help me out a lot. And if you're on Instagram, go ahead and follow me on there at jakeparker.fit and screenshot and tag me when you're listening to the show. I'll be sure to share it. And thank you personally on there.